Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Wherever you are, however you're listening, hey, thanks for joining us for America's Talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by co-hosts Oliver Camacho and Tobias Wright. We are live in studio on WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago, streaming live on WNUR.org slash pop-up and available as a podcast on iTunes. 847-866-WNUR is the number in studio. Hey, you can be that longtime listener, first-time caller who gets to have their say live on air. Again, 847-866-9687. Phone lines are open tonight, January 2nd. Look, don't be shy. If you are, no big deal. Leave us a message, 224-218-9BOX, 224-218-9269. Happy 2017 to all our listeners. We've got a great show for you tonight. Oliver, Tobias, and I talk you through the productions we're looking forward to this year and the repertoire and artists that are going to help us make it through what could be a pretty unusual year. And, of course, you get all your opera headlines, our hot takes on them in the two-minute drill. That is in 40 minutes. Right now, time to say hello to Oliver Camacho. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Great to see you, my man. It's nice to be back in the studio, and we almost... Didn't have a show today because we're the only people in the building. It's it's very true. It, today's a public holiday. But we have to stick true to your we talk about opera every week, period. Tobias Wright. <laughs> I'm back. George, that's so good to see your beautiful face and good Oliver to see, you, see your beautiful face. Yeah. You and Heck I, yeah. Tobias, we're working on the beards here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I approve of this look, actually. Like if, George, you look George amazing is prolific with the beard. Yeah. in growth. growth <laughs> and I think short on top and long on the bottom, party on top. Yeah, this, this, is the, this is the party most the hipster I've ever looked in my life. Yeah. You're killing it. Yeah. Thanks, man. I've been working on this beard since uh, early October. No kidding? Mm-hmm. Dedication. Yeah. Oliver's yeah. been working on his beard for two days. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a long time for my facial hair to go in. Uh, Oliver, how was your Christmas? How was your New Year? Um, it was not relaxing for me because I'm, you know, the type of person who uh, is very hospitable. And <laughs> you I'm can't always, relax. <laughs> I'm, I'm always cooking for people and wanting to make sure everybody's comfortable and I forget to, like, take time for Oliver, you know? And yeah. then I did my... You're a martyr. My mega post on Vocal Arts Chicago. Right. Uh, two mega posts, which both took, like, three hours each to put together. And then I, after I posted, I found all the errors. And I had to go back in and, like, fix it. So VocalArtsChicago.com? That would be the very one, okay. yes. And uh, it's, it's been the, the most successful posts of Vocal Art Chicago to date. They have been shared the most and commented on Love the it. most. So Yay. it's bringing the traffic in. I need those clicks. Give me those <laughs> clicks, baby. I'm addicted to clicks. <laughs> you got any more of those clicks? <laughs> exactly. I need something to make me feel good. Give me a click. <laughs> Tobias, did you stay up till midnight uh, on New Year's Eve? Oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I, it was just, the, my holidays are crazy, though. I didn't even get to go home. I, ha, I was here. I was doing a show. I was doing yeah. a Flatermouse with Light yeah. Opera Works. So we were busy, man. 
But it was good. I made it to midnight. Uh, yeah. God, I'm tired. I feel like every day has been a celebration for the last two weeks for me. And then you're gonna have like the post performance blues soon. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't even get time to relax though. I gotta leave. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so. I guess that's how you bite off the post performance blues. I know. Blues. I took today off and just yeah. sat around and nursed a hangover. Hmm. And then tomorrow, back to work. The holidays are exhausting. Yeah, they George, really, what about you? Really you were are. on vacation. Uh, yeah, you know, we were back in Michigan. Uh, you know, Mathen and I did the day after Christmas show. Mm, um, so sweet. Hanukkah and Christmas overlapped this the, year. The, the that was crazy. Uh, the kids in your hot chocolate. stayed up till about 9 o'clock on New Year's Eve. Nice. Uh, did you make it to midnight? I made it to midnight. No, the wife, she, she conked out way, way before the hour. But I made it all the way, definitely. Oliver, did you? Yeah, I was at a dinner party and we stopped eating about eleven fifteen, and I crashed on the couch and they had to wake me up like right before <laughs> midnight. It's time, you know. Right, That's exactly. awesome. All right, boys, let's uh, let's do it. Let's talk, talk sports, up. man. <laughs> we'll talk sports in a second. Okay. Chalk talk on Opera Box Score. Yeah, I'm gonna save the sports talk for a little bit. Although I do Aww. have, I do have some stuff to it's say. It's because Mathen's not here, and you don't think we could talk about sports? Oh no, man, I could roll with Tobias sports. on sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the theme of the show here we are, January second, uh, WNUR, eighty nine point three FM, by the way, and we are talking about what we're looking forward to for twenty seventeen. Let us know what you're looking forward to in Opera Land eight four seven eight six six nine six eight seven. Uh, we got some music clubs to play for you. We've got some, I'm not going to call them predictions, but some things to look forward to, some shows, yeah. some repertoire, some personal stuff that we're looking forward to. It's mm. going to be a great ride. Uh, so, Oliver, would yes. you like to go first and you know talk us through one of your things that you're looking forward to for 2017? Well, one, one thing that's coming up right around the corner uh, is the lyric opera production of Norma. And that stars Sandra Radvanovsky and... I'm embarrassed to say this, but it took me a long time to warm up to the many talents uh, and beauty of Ms. Radvanovsky. You mean both of them? She is a local. She's like from uh, <laughs> like Gurney or something. She's, she's from the Illinois area. Illinois? Yeah. And, uh, Are you I, kidding me right now? He's kind of kidding me. Um, and she, <laughs> she uh, has been singing the lyric for a long time. Um, and I remember hearing her early in her career when she sang the role of Susanna. Uh, <laughs> Susanna, not Susanna. Susanna, right? Um, she's from Berwyn, Illinois. Berwyn, Berwyn. What yeah. down there in Berwyn? I yeah. did not know that. Okay. Um, and anyway, I, I've just my problem with Sandra Radnowski has been that she's a bit of a mush mouth, uh, meaning to say she sacrifices diction for legato, and uh, sometimes I cannot forgive that because I need to hear words. Mm-hmm. You know, I love text. I need that text, baby. Um, but Just like you need those clicks. I, I need those clicks. clicks. I, need text, I need that yeah. text. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this past spring, uh, she completed the Donizetti trilogy of Queens, Tudor Queens. She sang um, Queen Elizabeth in Roberto Devereux, and it was one of the best things that the Met has transmitted uh, in HD. It was a thrilling, thrilling performance. Did you understand I, what she was saying? Mm, <laughs> yeah. B plus. But it's just such a hard role. It's one of these like really comprehensive, you know, bel canto tragediennes, and Norma is the quintessential bel canto tragedienne, and it is of you know one of the longest, most difficult, and once again comprehensive roles. Uh, what is required of the singer who sings Norma uh, is the ability to muster up you know color to her fireworks, 
long lines of legato, uh, deep chest tones. You know, got to be angry. You got to be sad. You have to have this kind of demented scene where you're about to kill your kids. You have to have like this, you know, I'm going to commit suicide moment at the end. Like there's so much happening in this role. Jealousy, you know, uh, hurt. And um, it's just one of those operas that it actually took me a while to warm up to this opera because I'm hmm. kind of a color to a queen myself. And I'm always looking for the high notes and for the fast notes. And Norma is not necessarily full of that stuff, but when it happens, it's so effective. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those roles that, um, you know, you hear a great singer like Maria Callas or like Leila Genger. And you think there's no way that anybody alive today can sing the way those women sang like in the 60s and the 50s. And I think that Sandra Rodonofsky might be able to pull it off. I mean, she's been already has been singing this role for a couple of years now, and there's plenty of evidence of it. And uh, we're going to listen to about two minutes of the finale, uh, De non voleri, voleri vittime, vittime uh, which is when she asks her father to take care of her kids because she's going to uh, mount the funeral pyre uh, and sacrifice herself for having, uh, you know, betrayed her vow of chastity. And with a Roman, nonetheless, who is like their... The, the play the clip. I'm tired of listening to Oliver yeah. tell me all these things. <laughs> Just play the clip. Okay, I want to hear beautiful singing. Sandra Radnovsky, everybody. That is some. Uh, it's so exposed, right? I mean, there's, uh, there's like nothing in the orchestra underneath. Okay. 
nothing in the orchestra there. Yeah, it's basically like a continuare. There's just like that ostinato, you know, arpeggiation thing happening in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And it is, like you said, very exposed. And, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it'd be a good disco beat. Um, but the thing about that is that you have to, th- you know, this opera is, what, about three hours long, like almost two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And she's basically been on stage the entire show. And she's gone through everything. And she's still able to muster up or has to muster up this beautiful legato line, this, you know, really passionate plea. And you have to bring the drama to And like she let a little bit of like the whimper come into her voice. And then most amazingly, she floated like whatever a high B natural. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And that is so hard to do when you're fresh, let alone after Mm -hmm. you've been singing for two and a half hours. That was awesome. I got a little hot and bothered there. Looking forward to that production as well. It's that lyric later this month, I think, right? Kevin Newbury is directing a a colleague of mine. Cannot wait to see this show. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's great, Oliver. A great thing for us all to be looking forward to. If you're in Chicago, I hope you can come see the show at Lyric later on this month, running through February. Tobias Wright. Yes. What are you looking forward to in 2017 here on Opera Box Score or uh, elsewhere? Well, a couple of different things. So, I mean, it's uh, for me as a young singer, I think one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to is just trying to get better. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I shared this first clip. The first clip uh, that I shared is Fitz Wunderlich, and he's singing uh, Tamino Zaria. He's singing Die Spiltnis ist Pinsabit Schön uh, from Mozart's The Magic Flute. And part of the reason that I did this is because this is one of those first videos, you know, when you're a young tenor and and you're starting to like dive into arias and stuff, of course you do stupid stuff and you try to learn Mozart because everybody thinks that's great. Well, it's hard in hell to sing. But what I love about this video and what it makes me look forward to is the fact that I love it for different reasons now than I did a year ago. And a year ago I loved it for different reasons than I fell in love with it five years ago. You know what I mean? What was the difference? I think the difference is what you hear and what you see the artist doing. And when Fritz sings this, one, he's a good-looking SOB. And, like, it's just incredible. If you watch his video on YouTube, he, there's this moment. And, Oliver, have you ever seen this video? Where he's, uh, like, a, singing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's, like, on, like, a TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, a, like, in a studio audience. And he has this moment right before he sings where he looks at his pianist and he's got this smile. And it's, like, <laughs> he's saying, he's, like, the people in this audience have no idea that they're about to hear <laughs> effing greatness <laughs> you know what i mean and so it's one of those deals i think now what i love the most about it is just the absolute control and abandon that he has yeah so he's in total control of his instrument which is kind of the goal for all of us and like whether or not we ever get there whatever you know it's not about perfection it's just about the pursuit and trying to be excellent and he totally is and i love this and it's a uh, it's a pretty huge talent crush let's take a listen <laughs> Feel it here before I 
Wait, yeah, yeah, hold on. Tobias wanted me to leave it for the high note. I was like, well, you know, shoot. That's why the man got paid. <laughs> no, nah, but okay, so he's singing. And I, like for me, I could not be happier listening to someone sing. Do you know what I mean? It's so simple and it's so beautifully executed. And you're right, looking at the YouTube clip that you sent me for that, he does have this little, it's not a smirk exactly, but yeah. he just like, as you said, no one knows what they're going to hear yet. Yeah. Except he knows. But Yeah. I don't know. It's just funny because he's like, I am about to bless you with this. Yeah. <laughs> so take it, my peasants. Did, did uh, either of you see the production at Lyric? Of I'm actually Magic going Flu- on January 14th. Okay. So you're um, gonna, Matthew Polantani singing. That's the first. Oh, that's the second Matthew Polantani. Yeah. yeah. So we had Andrew Staples, and he got great reviews. Do you know Andrew Staples? Drink? I do not. Okay. No, uh, you cannot drink. <laughs> no. <laughs> um but yeah, yes, I, I wanted to. I wanted we had to hold lunch out. in Germany. <laughs> I wanted to hold out for Matthew Ponzani, a former guest of Opera Box. A Score, former guest on Opera Box Score. Score. Yeah, we should know those episode numbers by heart. We should get him back on. Is what we should do. Yeah, we should. Yeah, working on it. Working Dude, on yeah. it. Working on some big names actually for 2017. Not that that's something I'm going to look forward to, but uh, for my my thing. But I, for we the are show. trying to we are trying to get some bigger names on the show in 2017, and I have high hopes. I have very high hopes. Let's step aside on Opera Box Score. It's WNUR 89.3 FM. When we come back, more things that Tobias, Oliver, and myself are looking forward to for 2017. Stick around. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Over 20,000 people in Chicagoland are affected by HIV and AIDS. Many live in poverty and need food. Open Hand Chicago's programs provide nutritious meals to over 1,000 people each week. Volunteers deliver hot meals to homebound clients or pack weekly supplies of groceries for clients who can prepare their own meals. Give the gift of time. Call Open Hand Chicago at 773-665-1000 today to volunteer or go to www.openhandchicago.org on the web. Pedestrians are funny people. They jump out at you when you least expect it. For safety tips drivers and pedestrians all need to know, visit aaos.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. My name is Dale Pazinski, and this is how I live United. I volunteer with United Way, helping the homeless in my community by teaching computer skills and helping them build a basic resume to save on their very own USB drive. It's huge when somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho. 
Tobias Wright and Dinah Fisher. WNUR 89.3 FM is what you're listening to. George Cedarquist here along with... Oliver Camacho. Hello. And Tobias Wright. Hello. Talking about what we're looking forward for, to for 2017. Uh, and if we just want to talk sports super briefly, I'm just thrilled that the Bears will not be playing for the next nine months. Thank God. Me too. Out? But the Kansas City Chiefs are playing. They have a first round bye. They're hosting a divisional oh, playoff game. And if the Chiefs win a Super Bowl, I can just retire from being a sports fan. Man, every time the Chiefs win, Tobias, this place stinks of your farts for a week. I don't even care. <laughs> I, I just, okay, the Bears, 3 and 13. They did not win a single game on the road this season. This is the end of Jay Cutler, right? I hope so. Yeah, I, I don't see how it. What it, about it could that Orlocker guy? He has like all these billboards <laughs> all over town about. With now he has hair. Yeah. Hey, wait. Can I can I tell you a story? Yeah. My uncle is like really good friends with Brian Orlocker. He was okay. his college position coach, and mm. so like they go golfing all the time. Apparently, he's a super nice guy. That hair is fake. But he's like now the poster boy <laughs> for this like hair club for men or something like that. It's true. That is amazing though that like somebody with such high visibility went through that process and is like okay. This is what happened. This is what it looks like, you know, and it looks really weird. Well, after it he retired from the Bears, I think he knew that um, he had to um, grow some shore up hair, his yeah. career a little okay. bit, you it know. It does sort of so. look like a mink on his head, you know. Uh, Oliver, is there any? But I can appreciate it as a balding young man. Oh, you're, oh, you're not balding, Tobias. Guys, you haven't seen it. We it's all, grab it's all on of, my yeah. back now. Yeah. You need to grab some of George's chin hair. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oliver, is there any sports this year? Uh, well, I'm just excited into? because in a couple of weeks, uh, the first Grand Slam of the season, uh, the Australian Open, mm-hmm. will begin. And it's reported that uh, Roger Federer will be making a return after almost six months of absence. And uh, he had a back injury and a knee injury, and we haven't seen him play in a long time, and his ranking has slipped down. Do you know the only undefeated tennis player of all time? Father time. Everybody gets old. (laughs) It happens, man. But it'd be cool, though. I hear what you're saying. Roger Federer is like the Mariela de Villa of tennis. Yeah. Um, So that will mean something to like two people on this earth. <laughs> and if you're one of those two people, I love you. Let us know. You can tweet us <laughs> at us Opera Box Score. Here's something not that use the hashtag Opera Balls, please. So here's here's something that I'm looking forward to for twenty seventeen. My twenty sixteen in the fall was it was pretty quiet on the directing front. That was by design. I was producing some stuff and working on some long term projects. But twenty seventeen is it's gonna pick up pretty fast. And this summer I'm gonna be directing a musical. What? I now I know we do talk about musicals very very rarely on Opera Box Score. But this is a musical that is near and dear to my heart. This is a show that I was in when I was a boy. This is a show that I played in the pit for in college. And I'm just going to start by playing the opening number of this musical. Should we know it? I, I, I don't know if you should know this or not. I'll leave your mics on while we're listening here, oh and we'll, we'll see if you Oliver, guys can guess do you know musicals very it. well? Uh, West Side Story? It's it's not that. No, I I don't know if you're going to know this or not. Ah. Ah. So yeah. Jesus Christ one. It is not Jesus Christ Superstar. It's like 10 to 15 years later. Although they sh- Jesus Christ Superstar and this show both had the same leading actor. And that actor's oh my name gosh. was Ben Vereen. Oh. You guys know Ben Vereen? I feel like I do know Ben Vereen. Did he just die? Your beautiful flower, join us. Hell yeah. She's too sour. You're directing this, it's got rhythm. (laughs) You haven't seen me dance. Uh, 
there was a Broadway revival of this show directed by Diane Paulus about five years ago. Okay, has not died. No, no, he's alive. Here we go. Love this show. The show is by Stephen Schwartz. It's called Pippin. Oh, that's awesome. It's about like circuses and stuff like that, right? Or well, the Broadway parties? revival rebooted the piece to make it about this like traveling circus troupe. The original is about like a traveling company of players in the form of like the medieval mystery plays, basically. I'll be doing something totally different with it yet again, but I just love that like Actually, late that 80s kind of, groove. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Well, it was written in 1972. So. Can, wow. Oh, is, yeah. Wait, Stephen Schwartz is like still pumping stuff out now though. It was written in 72. I thought it was 82. Nope. And Jesus Christ Superstar was written in 71. So, <laughs> so they're very close. And then he wrote Wicked yeah. in when? Like 2008? Uh, the, um, no. The, um, Wicked is 2005. Yeah. 2005? That late? Okay. Interesting. That's crazy. Ben That's Vereen awesome. was Judas Iscariot in Jesus Christ Superstar, and he plays the leading player in oh, Pippin. I lied about Wicked. So. That was bad information. God, we just give so much bad information about I know, it's show. dreadful. For example, Jackie Ivanko was not on The Voice. She was on America's Got Talent. And she Same did not, she thing. She did not win. Yeah. Same why, thing. why are people not trolling us to, That's to how we know people aren't listening, wrong. is that they're not right. No, if there's anything we've learned, no. it's that people will just accept anything is true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> we, fake have news. we are the fake news of opera, everybody. <laughs> Either uh, that, or they'd be <laughs> embarrassed to admit <laughs> that they had been watching America's Got Talent, and they knew that Ivancho was second true. place. Uh, where are you, are you, is that in Chicago that you're doing that? Uh, no, it's in northern Michigan, actually. It's a place called the hmm. Bayview Music Festival, oh, yeah. where I've been How are we going to see that? And, um, well, I don't know. Rent a car. I'll be there. Uh, dude, that's awesome. Tell us something else you're looking forward to in 2017, Oliver. Oh, back to me? Back We're to done you. talking about Pippin already? Yeah, I, I, I kind of... I enjoyed the Pippin moment. I, I sort of yeah. did not I mean, I, I'm a little bit, like, discombobulated because you played something so, like, jazzy, funky. 80s, I know. You, know, you didn't think so I had so much soul. And I thought it was, like, hair or, like, Jesus Christ Superstar, because that's what the feeling was like. And I wasn't that far off, actually. You no. were very close. Yeah. Very close. It was great. It, yeah. was, it did have an ethnic kind of urban thing going on. Yes. I, I heard the blackness of it. You felt it. Yeah, I felt it in my bones, um, in my hips. Yeah. I was moving. <laughs> Once you started dancing, I knew what it was. Right? <laughs> so, so uh, 2017 is an anniversary year for Claudio Monteverdi, and there is a very famous conductor named John Elliott Gardner, who's a specialist in early music, um, a pioneering a conductor in early music, and uh, he has created a website called Monteverdi 450. Uh, and I recommend that you check it out. Um, I'm very excited. I can't really say more than that mm -hmm. because the Monteverdi operas, I think, are the, you know some of the most important operas in the canon, and they're not you know in the standard canon. I mean, I think Marriage of Figaro is probably the earliest opera that gets performed regularly. Uh, but you start going back, and you get role sh shows like Dido and Aeneas, and like um, the Monteverdi Coronation of Popea. The first opera that Monteverdi wrote, or that we have evidence of, is uh, the Orfeo. And I'd like to listen to a little bit of um, the scene where Orfeo goes down into... The know, underworld. And, yes. Mm -hmm. And he tries to rescue Eurydice by singing. Uh, this is the long uh, soliloquy, Posente Spirito, but we are going to just hear the first uh, verse of it. Here we go. Mm -hmm. 
Wow, that beautiful natural trumpet there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, the late Anthony Rolf Johnson, one of my favorite of all time tenors, singing with the English Broke soloists under John Elliott Gardner. Uh, that website that you should all check out is monteverdi.co.uk. And right when you go to the homepage, there's a video of John Elliott Gardner himself talking about this project. Uh, and this project he's working on, I shouldn't talk about it, but you can go look at it, mm-hmm. um, has uh, some of my favorite people in it, uh, namely tenor Zachary Wilder uh, and countertenor Justin Kim, who I think was Went at North- Northwestern. Yeah, and he did those Chichilla Bartley videos. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's amazing. Yeah, <clears throat> so he'll, he'll be um, in a very uh, prominent role in that project. So. That's fu- very cool. Have you, have you heard him sing? Only on video and on like recordings. He was here at the Bach Week or the Handel Week Festival like yeah. early in the year. But well, when was I was at Northwestern, he would like drop in every once in a while yeah. and like sing in studio. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hmm. In your studio? Yeah. Who's your teacher? Uh, Teresa Brancaccio. Okay, so that's who he studied with. Yeah. Oh wow. And Props. I mean, yeah, he just uh, amazing. Yeah, I, I think he's in. in, in and he also in does those makeup tutorials, right? Like um, I don't know. <laughs> I think he has like a, a a different career, like online doing makeup tutorials. I could be wrong. I think he has a pretty uh, okay career as a singer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, <laughs> no, it's a beautiful. beautiful yeah. Wait, voice, wait, so. wait. What's the makeup tutorial? Thing? I could be George's, totally. George's, I could be totally wrong. Yeah, but I, I don't talk about bad information that we probably. Let me let out. me verify <laughs> this, Justin Kim. I'm gonna look it up right now. Thank makeup. you. I, I just I just, just don't want to be spreading any more misinformation <laughs> than this show already does. No, but if you've never heard a male sing that way, it, that like the power that I get it. 
Well, like, like why why Castrati back in the day were so famous well, and they were superstars? And all, a lot of those Monteverdi stories, those very early operas, they're all these myths and legends. It, you need something that sounds a little unnatural, I think, to tell that mm-hmm. story. And when you listen to, say, that Monteverdi recording that Oliver just played, it does oh, it sound is, a little true. unnatural. Yeah, it, Oliver has confirmed. Okay, so I'm sorry. Okay. I was just, uh, let me just go back to what you were saying in a second. But Justin Kim does do makeup tutorials online. You can look it up. His <laughs> yeah. his page, I think, is called uh, J Kim is Yellow, uh, all one word. Okay, that's his handle on YouTube. Um, so you were talking about uh, Monteverdi being natural. I'm sorry. What, what was you? We were saying that a lot of those stories are about the unnatural world, the magical world. And so you need a slightly unnatural and unusual sound. And that's what the castrati provided. Um, there weren't castrati, I don't think, yet in these in these operas. Maybe there were. I have to look it up. Um, when I'm did not, that start happening? I think that started yeah. happening later. Cause, like, this some is, some hmm. musicologist right now is banging their oh head my God, against like, the table. Like, these guys, I'm just to think of, they need to shut up. I'm just trying to think of what opera. Like, I don't think Orfeo, there's a really a role for Castrato in that show yet. But um, anyway, what you're saying, what we're, we should be talking about is how Monteverdi is, is one of the pioneering composers in opera, like, period. Period, you know? yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, like, they, him and, like, the Academia were, like, hanging around, talking about, like, what can we do that's new? And then they thought, well, let's do, like, a drama that's, like, sung, you know? And they had the Combattimento di Tancredi and Clorinda, which is, like, a magical evening. It was an evening of just, like, hanging out, singing madrigals, and all of a sudden this drama kind of formed out of it. Uh, this, you know, dialogue between Tancredi and yeah. Clorinda. And that was like sort of like the first opera. And huh. then he composed. I thought Daphne was the first opera. No, I'm talking about Monteverdi. Oh, Monteverdi. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I got you. But um, yeah, Daphne. I was going to fight like, you on no, that. No, no, there's so many of those pre-Monteverdi operas. But I mean, like yeah. the one that we all know about and have heard is Orfeo. Orfeo. Tobias, uh, here you are. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I don't have all the facts right now. <laughs> hey, man, it's, we're, all, we're all a little sluggish just went tonight. down the train. But I did get the thing about Justin Kim Wright and Jackie Ivanka. We're, we're all a little sluggish. I got the makeup tutorial thing right. <laughs> it's Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3 FM. Tobias, what else are you looking forward to in 2017? Um, I, I am looking forward to I have some cool projects coming up as well. And, and uh, I've got a bunch of shows coming up, but I get to do Madame Butterfly. It's my favorite opera, and I get to do it twice. Um, and with companies who I'm really excited to be working with, and I'm fortunate to have jobs. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, the first time I ever did Madame Butterfly was one of my first professional gigs. It was with Nevada Opera. And I just remember hearing uh, the orchestra start at the beginning. And, like, <laughs> losing my mind. Yeah. And, like, I cried just openly. was like, what? This is so amazing. And it really just kind of, I'm so glad that I get to do it again. So this clip is one of the, uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful moments in opera that a chorus has. Um, and it's the humming chorus. Okay, before you play it, though, tell us where you're doing Madame Butterfly. Uh, first, I'm doing it with Sarasota Opera. Okay. And you're playing the part of? Uh, I'm just an apprentice <laughs> with Sarasota. I'm, okay. a, I'm a nobody there, so I'll oh. be in the chorus and yeah. stuff. Um, and I, But I have a small role in, in some covers, but not in Madame Butterfly when I'm at Sarasota. Um, and then I'm doing it again in the summer with Opera North in New Hampshire. And you're Goro in that one. I'm going to sing Goro in that one, yeah. Okay. yeah you're too good looking to be Goro, I have to say. Uh, you know, he's going to talk to Justin and get yeah, the makeup we'll, thing yeah, done. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so. All right, the Thanks, humming Oliver. chorus. Yeah. It, it's hard to, hard to beat this one. Let's Heck take yeah. a lesson.
Oh, it's so hard to fade this one out. I guess it kind of could be my background music. My question is, it had had that technique, that idea of just humming a big block of music, was that the first time that that had really been done in opera? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't it know. It seems so you know startling what I, what and arresting. What I will say about Puccini, and especially in that moment, it's interesting, like, as... It's crazy to me how much of Puccini's music has been plagiarized mm-hmm. and stolen. You know what I mean? Um... Because you can hear parts of that, I swear you hear Les Mis in some of that. And like, if you've ever seen uh, Fanchula del West and then gone and like turned around and watched Phantom of the Opera, you're like, God, can nobody come up with their own idea, you know? And so, I, whatever Puccini was doing, I mean, he was doing it right, you know what I mean? I don't know. Anyway, I love that. I go, I'm Misty, I just want to cry. It's so nice everyone. that you like that you like Puccini and you like standard canon and stuff and you like Fritz Wunderlich. I mean, you're an old soul, you know? Like, Thanks, man. Yeah, no, seriously. Because <laughs> like, I, I hear a lot of young singers uh, talk about opera and they're really excited about new opera because I think they don't necessarily have the... Oh, it sounds terrible. They're not interested in the old stuff because they don't... Man. It, doesn't, it doesn't touch them or they haven't spent time with it and they don't see its power, you know? Well, I, you know, in like... I, the reason that I fell in love with singing was a video of Pavarotti singing yeah, Bohem. Yeah, I heard and that. And so, like, right <laughs> away, I mean, that's what I, that was what hooked me. And and that recording you play, you did, you guys didn't mention about, I mean, maybe George edited it out because it was pressed for time. But after, um, I mean, d- during the high C, mm-hmm. you could hear the audience, like, intake breath. Like, oh, yeah. You heard the note. <gasps> it was like, incredible. You know? And, like, stuff like that, that's what I That's what I want to do as a singer. Like, that's, I mean, and whether or not that ever happens doesn't matter. I mean, but, like, uh, that's what I fell in love with. I mean, like, listening to Corelli and those guys, when they sang, they sang because they, it was what they had to do. It was what they had to give. And they, and I think that that was so beautiful and raw. But, yeah, uh, maybe I am an old soul. I don't care. No, it's what, great. I love there's what I love, you know? that. <laughs> I have I have a picture of Pav on my fireplace. Aww. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. I used, to, I used to have a picture of Frank Lopardo on my <laughs> piano. Yeah, I used to love him so much. Yeah, that's a little. And I weirder. thought that he's like a Republican or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> no Republicans here. <laughs> well, goodbye, anybody who's a Republican listening to the show. <laughs> Takes all types. Opera box score and WNUR. Stick around. We're going to be right back after the break. From Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Rainbow House is a Chicago-based organization providing domestic violence intervention and prevention services to Chicago-area residents. Its five programs include a 24-hour crisis line, residential services, children's program, community resource services, and domestic violence prevention and education program. Rainbow House has sites in the Lawndale, Little Village, and Morgan Park areas of Chicago. For more information, go to www.rainbowhouse.org. That's rainbow-house.org. This message brought to you by WNUR. Three tours driving Humvees in Afghanistan. Twelve years flying choppers. When my sister came back from her last tour in Afghanistan, she didn't want to talk about it, but she knew I was there to listen. Sometimes my husband still has difficult memories. They can be overwhelming. With the Veterans Crisis Line, I know where to turn when we need support. I made the call and got support for my sister. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for all veterans and their loved ones. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. My name is Sue Smith. 
I'm 38 and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you, I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brother's Big Sisters. My Big Sister showed me early on that I could do anything. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My Big Sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brother's Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brother's Big Sisters and the Ad Council. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time now for the fastest headlines in opera news. Everything you need to know in two minutes or less. The Vienna State Opera has announced that its next artistic director is the Serbian Bogdan Rosic, one of Peter Gelb's successors at Sony Classical. Rosic, who beat out several more traditional contenders for the post, starts immediately. Michael Carpasso, general director at New York City Opera, told the music website Zeal NYC that City Opera is the people's opera. By comparison, the Met I think of as the United Nations. It belongs to the world, but it just happens to be in New York. The Met is a large international fantastic opera company, but it's not a uniquely New York institution. It's a world institution. Houston Grand Opera is celebrating the 30th anniversary of John Adams' opera Nixon in China by presenting the 2004 production created by James Robinson for the Opera Theater of St. Louis. Atlanta opera chorus master Walter Huff has told the company he's stepping down after 28 years in charge of one of the strongest choral ensembles in the U.S. He's given no reason other than his teaching commitments at Indiana University. At the National Auditorium in Madrid, the Christmas performance of Handel's Messiah was interrupted by a mobile phone going off in a side row close to the stage. Conductor William Christie yelled out at the phone owner, quote, You have just ruined one of the most beautiful passages of one of the most beautiful works ever written. A stage show of the Disney musical Frozen was disrupted when the orchestra conductor Giacomo Loprieno announced to the young audience, Father Christmas does not exist. He was fired on the spot. And the baritone Bryn Terfel, newly knighted, has announced his engagement to the harpist Hannah Stone, who is pregnant with his child. Sir Bryn has three children by his first marriage. That's the two-minute drill. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Dinah Fisher. Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3 FM. George Cedarquist in the house with Oliver Camacho. That's me. And with Tobias Wright. That's also me. Uh, so that was the two-minute drill. I'm going to do a correction right away. Uh, with the <laughs> first, very Before first the show is over. Even <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this, this bug from you, Oliver, yeah. apparently. Yeah. I, I said that um, Bogdan Rostic was taking over immediately at the Vienna State Opera. Could not be further from the truth. He doesn't take over until 2020, oh. actually. That's so not now. Right around the corner. Uh, okay, can I respond to something really quick? Because I'm can. pretty pissed off. Why? Why would a conductor of a children's show stop and tell them that Father... Like, dude, don't ruin the magic for those kids. <laughs> That's not your job. The world is already a pretty horrible place. Like, like ah, 
How can you take that magic away from people? I'm, I hate it. But I, thank God I'm that they fired him on the spot. I'm confused of the sequence of events here too, yeah, because yeah. first of all, this was the Should Disney musical Oliver, you look at me like I'm crazy. No, Should I'm I just not saying how. The, why would he even do like what brought him to that? Yeah, point, like, you know? he's clearly a Scrooge <laughs> who like hates the holidays. <laughs> basically, there, this is a, a teeny little news story, but there's a lot to pack into it. First of all, the Disney mu- musical Frozen is not being done in Italy. That's coming to Broadway next year. This is some sort of like celebration of Disney's music. They were playing excerpts from Frozen. Now, how this guy, was he conducting and then he turned around how, and said this? Was it the end of the number? How did Christmas for all those children in that moment? And should he have been fired? Oliver. They co- wait, wait. They call him Father Christmas? In, in Europe, yeah. No, they each have their own way of dealing with Santa Claus over there. Not every, not all of them categorically. Okay, so yeah. I, in, I, don't, I don't know if this was in okay. Italy or England. Okay, so that would be helpful. But... Okay, wait. Ugh. Should he have been fired? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think so. T- uh, you're, it's, it's, a, it's a children's show. You're trying to... I mean, the whole idea is to give them magic. Uh, I mean, like, what? And then to ruin it like that? And how many parents had to, like, console their children? <laughs> after that? Oh, those man. People, those I'm, people will never come back to that theater again. I, maybe, had. I don't know. I, I Maybe I shouldn't be as upset about that as I am, but we, that's ridiculous. We, we as parents, we spin lies all the time. I do have a feeling, though, my son who's seven, I think next year, I think he might not be a believer next year. Aww. I think third grade I, is when I will. Will he be a believer oh, next year? Yeah. He'll, he'll become a believer. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Ju- do you know who Justin Bieber is? Vaguely. Okay, <laughs> George. <laughs> Let, let's let's go back to the Vienna State Opera story. It, it's strange to me. So Dominic Meyer, who is the current artistic director at the Vienna State Opera, mm-hmm. the guy has literally done nothing wrong. All right. So ticket sales are at like ninety eight percent capacity. Mm-hmm. The repertoire that he's planning is a brilliant mixture of revivals and new productions. Still, all the best singers in the world. The best. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. It, it has to be the best opera house in the world. Yeah. I don't understand why there is this change. And it, it seems fishy to me. I'm not saying this is a conspiracy theory. It seems fishy to me that yet another head uh, honcho from Sony is going to run an opera house. How how long has he been there? In how, the current position, do you know? Uh wait, how long has Bogdan Rosic been at Sony Classical? No. Who's the current who's the current GM? Dominic Meyer. Shelter? Yeah, how long has he been there? I, I think he's been there since probably the late eighties. So let's Okay, let's so it's say been a while, years. yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Since 2010, Dominic Meyer has been there. What? Yeah. You keep on debunking me, Oliver. (laughs) So he's only been there seven, six years? But it's felt longer. I mean, you know what? So that's a 10-year contract that he probably had. I don't know. I'm all for changes in leadership, but I also, in our our business, there's so many doors closing already. If you have a sustainable business model and it's not broken, I don't know. Like, do you have to fix it? You know, I think the, mm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't get this. That's crazy. But is it that... You know, not enough people voted, and they thought that it was going to be fine if they didn't participate in the process. Or is it this person, the um, the minister of culture, it has like a dictatorial rule on what happens? He's posts like that. Is he in is, Vienna? Yeah. Is there a minister of culture? Yeah, that's the organ. That's the government agency. Is Trump going to have a minister these, of culture? I, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't don't even. Dude, don't even get me started. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't and then everybody weeps. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Uh, do you do you got Nixon in China down at Houston Grand Opera? Do you, can you picture that production from the '80s, the original production from the '80s? It has. It's one of the most iconic uh, operas, I think, probably produced in America. Mm-hmm. The, the the key image was like this painted. 
it was partly a, a drop, but also partly like had a hard surface to it of the side of Air Force One. And there's this long staircase going down yeah. that, that Nixon it's came one down. Of the mo- I think to me that's one of the most iconic American opera images that there is. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's great. Sure. Now, look, I've seen the Jim Robinson 2004 production. It was done also at Chicago Opera Theater. And it's awesome. And I'll tell you why it's awesome is because what he did is he took um, classified or previously classified eight millimeter home movies that were filmed by the delegates that accompanied Nixon to China and worked those in as projections into the production. That's really cool. It's really, really cool. Uh, you know, something that I've seen with a few different productions now, and then you bring that up, I kind of like the idea of projections sometimes. Yeah, I, think, I could, I I could do a whole can... show on that, dude. I know you could, but I think it adds a, it's a whole different element. It, dep- it depends how they're used. I have a question. Have either of you ever seen an opera with puppets? Uh, like with only puppets or with puppets interacting with humans? Both. Either. Well, there was the Madame Butterfly uh, at the Met, the Anthony Mangella production that mm-hmm. had um, the child uh, trouble as a puppet. Really? Yes, yeah. it did sort of Bunraku style. It was, it was absolutely yeah. genius. Yeah, I saw that production. It was so what well done. Uh, was, uh, <laughs> early no, in, in no we Gals. can't do that on this show that because was early I can't ask for, uh, No, it was, it was okay. in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's also a bizarre, in the Chicago Burbs, actually, there's a little puppet theater yeah. that uses puppets to entirely play like an act from an opera. Yeah. That's awesome. And there was a, actually, a pu- besides that puppet company, there was a puppet company here in Chicago that did uh, Hansel and Gretel with puppets. Just yeah. puppets as well. Like so, there's uh, a precedent with live music and puppets. So I just had I I was speaking with someone and like you mentioned those projections and this person is a composer and they want to have one of their shows produced but they wanted to use uh, projected images and puppets in conjunction with also also humans on stage and I thought uh, that's actually George I told this person they needed to meet you. Oh. Well, I mean that's an extremely but. complex idea, but it's entirely doable. Yeah. Oh yeah, Very you cool. just you just logistics would make you want to cry, but it's absolutely That's doable. why you get paid the big bucks, baby. That's what they say, man. Uh, hey, Michael Carpasso over at New York City Opera, he has this quote about the Met. Is he throwing shade or does he Can have you a point? Repeat the quote again, because like we're so far away from that. Now. I know the, the uh, quote is this: New York. Oh, go ahead. The city. He says, "Quote: City Opera is the people's opera. By comparison, the Met I think of as the United Nations. It belongs to the world, but it just happens to be in New York. The Met is a large, international, fantastic opera company, but it's not uniquely a New York institution. It's a world institution." I sort of agree with that. I think mm-hmm. that's 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 pretty accurate. I don't think it's shade. I don't think he probably made a whole lot of friends, but I also think context is important too. Um, it's an interesting way to look at it, you know, because New York City Opera, that's a name that has, obviously they're resurfacing and they're, they've rebranded and are doing stuff that they didn't previously, you know, try to do. But I don't know. I think that's part of the problem um, sometimes with getting people to go to opera is that there is a segregated uh, sense that people have about it. Uh, and that it is unapproachable. And to say that the Met is not the people's opera, well, that's BS. There's thousands of people that go there literally every day. So but apart from the name, what is particularly New York about New York City opera? Even in the old days, you know, when Judy, Julius Rudell was with the company, I, I don't know what defines it as a particularly and that New it York was always, institution. The goal was to prop up, uh, you know, American singers, young. It was like the regional opera company mm-hmm. that was featuring American artists, you know, and was also a place where they could do not standard canon repertoire, like modern stuff and broke stuff regularly. Like their seasons used to always have a handle opera and something, you know, 
brand new, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, well, I guess to that to your point, then it does seem like the repertoire that they have planned for the future will do will do just that. I can't speak to whether or not they're using you know all american singers or if they're helping to promote american singers but in terms of the repertoire in that regard it, it feels like yeah maybe it is are more they doing that. their stuff in a house now do we know are they like bouncing around like they have been yeah sure. uh i think they're back at the same Let's theater not say that. i mean look up their website year. <laughs> well i'm not gonna let there be dead air dude i'm, I'm gonna no, make a stab no, I, at it i think they, they've been bouncing around for a while and i just wonder if I don't know, but you know what? Well, well when the co- the company died, right? Then it came back, and I think yeah, they I think. they bounced around then. But but there's been some repetition now in the venue that they're using. I just can't think of the name. Well, of they it. were using all. the Rose Theater. I know that, but where and else? they used it a couple times. But didn't they also do something at the Apollo in Harlem? Um, I think you're thinking of Showtime and that guy with the. I'm thinking. Like, for, I'm thinking of Live of the Apollo. Like um, okay, Rose Theater, the Apple Room, Jazz Center, Jazz at Lincoln Center's that's Apple it, Room. Yeah. Uh, Rose Theater, that's where they are, mostly at the Rose Theater. Okay, so they are they are bouncing around. Harlem Stage. Yeah, I, t- I totally conflated that. All right. And Apple Room. Jeez, man. And Forty Second Street. At Happy New Year, George. Twenty Seven. This, this is the last time I I, I uh, drink on a show night. Yeah. Oh, that explains so much. Yeah, actually, no, quite the opposite, man. I've been drinking for like two weeks straight, and. New Year's Day, totally dry. So Today, they're about to totally open up dry. Candide uh, on January yeah. 6th. Exactly. FYI. They what? They're about to open up Candide. Candide. Soon when we can afford yeah. one. Um, Bryn Turvel, if we were on opera now, we would have had a field day with this Bryn, Bryn Turvel story. Yeah. And Michael would have done with his voices about Bryn Turvel's finger. It would have been a riot. Uh, but anyway. But here at Opera Box Score. <laughs> we're much more dignified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We won't take pot shots at Bryn Turville getting remarried. Three children to a with his first woman. marriage. Yeah. He still got it, man. Yeah. He still got it. <laughs> well, <he's> <laughs> All right, boys, we're going to wrap this show up. Good call. Bad call on Opera Box Score. Oh, man. The hour went fast yet again. Time to wrap the show up. Good call, bad call. Uh, hey, I'm going to go first this time. I have a good call, and it's a book. Yes, I read books. I only read nonfiction, but I'm reading a book right now that's called The Crafty Art of Opera. It's by Michael Hampe. It's just been translated into English from German, where it was published in Germany last year, and it is a great book about how opera is made. Now, it's billed as a book that's for people who love opera, people who hate opera, people who make opera, I don't know about those first two categories. Certainly as a director, I find it brilliant because it really helps me read what other people are thinking about, what's important and what isn't important in opera. So I really do recommend that book. It's called The Crafty Art of Opera. Awesome. Oliver Camacho, you got a good call or a bad call? I just want to put a couple of things on people's calendars. Um, there is this organization that our beloved Giovanna Jacques works for called the Pianoforte Foundation. Uh, which is a great place to hear classical uh, piano literature and often uh, leader reciters or, or song, song recitals. And every year they have pre- uh, produced what's called the Schubertiade, uh, which is a day-long event, uh, wall-to-wall Schubert, um, you know, piano music, chamber music, and art song. And that is at the South Loop Piano Forte Foundation Studio from uh, 12 to 6, the last Sunday of January. I think it's January 29th this year. And just a little it's bit a after, beautiful place too. Yeah, just a little bit after that, uh, Ch- Collaborative Arts Institute of Chicago, Kike, um, is uh, 
presenting a Winter Leader Lounge with Christian Van Horn. And I have to say, the last time I went to a Winter Leader Lounge at uh, Collaborative Arts Institute Chicago was Paul Appleby last year, and it was one of the best things I saw nice. last year. And Christian Van Horn is amazing. I think he did the Ryan Center. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. And he's now like a full-fledged, you know, international quality singer and um, beautiful voice. And That's I awesome. assume it's going to be a great show. Tobias Wright, good call. Uh, call. I got a good call. The good call is uh, I'm thankful to have started my new year with you guys. It's been, it's been so awesome. And I think the growth of this show has been really fun to be a part of. Um, obviously, I'm going to be gone for the next couple months, and I will miss you guys. And obviously, I'll follow along on the show, and I'll pop in when I can and stuff. But So thank you for everything. And You could send us reports, field reports from Sarasota. Yeah, I we'll think get, we'll try and get you on the phone. We'll get some people on the show, too. Can, from, you can, can do some interviews with yeah. uh, conductors who tell you to read your scores better or whatever. You yeah. Know? take my scores and throw them across the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Things that have happened. That's <laughs> it for this week's show. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S dot com. At WNUR our programming director is Nick Anderson and the general manager is Brock Stussy. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook and Twitter search for Opera Box Score like our Facebook page, share and comment on our posts and tweet us at Opera Box Score. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Hey, look, give us 30 seconds of your time. Leave a review on iTunes. It's the cheapest, it's the fastest way to promote our show. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Tobias Wright, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera as one of your New Year's resolutions. We're back next Monday night, 9 Central. More headlines and our hot takes on them. This is WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. Chicago Sound Experiment.